What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the... Oh, read this book podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Duncan. And I'm your other host, Matthew Meadows. And we're super excited that you're here with us tonight. As always. Or this morning. Or this afternoon. Depends on when Stephen uploads the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be any of those Any three. of those times. <laughs> <laughs> truly. Truly, truly. Hey, man. Hey. How's it going? Oh, you know. You're going on vacation soon. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Don't I know it. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, it's like the only thing I can think of is that I am going on vacation. I feel like I'm useless in any other aspect of life because I know that Monday evening I will be on a plane to another land. I feel like when you get within a week and even more specifically, when you get within like five days of going somewhere, going on a trip, going on vacation, you... It absorbs every yeah. cell of your body. Like, yeah. you can't think about anything else. It's like Christmas. I'm so excited, but I'm also really stressed out because I haven't done anything to prepare for it. Okay, yeah. Um, just because I have things to do. But, um, ideally, I will become a hermit for the next three days before Monday. Because I have to work yes. Monday morning. I'm working no. until, like, 3 p.m. on Monday. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm... and then I'm Because we're flying out of the, the Louisville airport at, like, 6 or seven. Um, I also just told everybody where we live. Well, you didn't say that we lived here. Well, you just said you were flying out. I, we don't live in Louisville. Louisville. We live in somewhere else that's not Louisville, but I am going to the Louisville airport um, <laughs> at 6 p.m. Uh, on that day. That has already passed if this episode is uploaded on time. So we're good. We're in person again. I don't know if you could tell. I think it translated yeah, very obviously. I think so too. How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm very tired. Yeah. I'm very like mentally, emotionally, physically in need of a break and a vacation. Mm. I will be getting one of those as well. Huh. Not quite as soon as you will be, um, but quite soon. Where are you going? Uh I'm going to a retreat center in the Indiana portion of the world. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> you hear a child. Gah. It's one of ours. Yeah. We won't tell you which one. <laughs> Our Instagram and podcast yeah. cover photo definitely you, won't it, give you us. <laughs> Steven wears that shirt ironically. It's actually yeah. my child. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew gave me that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> as a joke, and I wear it regularly, yeah. including for post photos. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, that's a funny, that's so funny that that's the picture. <laughs> I almost thought that maybe we should like edit it out, but I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's indicative. That's, that's a good chunk of my personality at I, this point. That's like all of your personality. I, well, <laughs> 99%. Yeah. I mean, that was, that sounded mean, <laughs> but you were a very uh, well-rounded person with a lot of great characteristics. Thank um, you. And that You're was a joke. What? Oh. <laughs> I was at the, the joke about. Your whole personality being that yes. you have a, that you have a shirt that says "girl that" yes. and I have a child. <laughs> oh, we are really confusing. Um, everyone still, everyone still. Everybody uh, there? Yep. You guys there? Okay, sweet. Check one, two. Check, 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 check. You guys check. like books? Because we've got a couple we'd <laughs> like to talk about, but first, a word from our sponsor. 
Have you ever had the problem of... Uh, have, oh, thank you oh, so much you for so that much. <laughs> For that word from our sponsor. <laughs> They're very generous with the show. Well, maybe we'll have a sponsor someday and we won't need to do that. Yeah, like so, a real one that's not dead. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be sweet. Or us. <laughs> a real one that's not dead and or us. <laughs> yeah. It's a very wide net that yeah. we cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of casts, pod and books. <laughs> so true. That's so true, man. You really have a way with words. <laughs> I'm a bit of a wordsmith. It's yeah. from all the reading I do. Yeah, well, would you like to talk about the book you read recently? I would, and I think it's appropriately titled uh, for a book that I read. Um, it's called Failing Up, and uh, it is a nonfiction book by an actor named Leslie Odom Jr. If you're familiar with the Broadway show Hamilton, he played Aaron Burr. Uh, in the original Broadway cast. So if you've ever listened to the soundtrack or you've seen the Disney Plus version of it, um, that's Leslie Odom Jr. Um, he's an immensely talented human being. Um, he's also just a really great actor. He's transitioned into more film roles since Hamilton, uh, has had a super successful career. But he had a huge slump uh, in, in the work he was getting as far as like the size of roles, he was working fairly consistently, but just not really getting the kind of stuff he wanted to get for a long time. Um, and he was about to quit acting before he got Hamilton. Um, and so he got a little bit of life advice from a mentor. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That was really good. Decided to give it another shot and the rest was history. Uh, but he wrote this, uh, sort of like an autobiography, um, sort of it almost reads like s someone giving you advice that you actually asked for uh but the best kind really. yeah but it is autobiographical as well so it's it's an easy read it's very short it's only a couple hundred pages you you breeze right through it i think i finished it in like a day and a half uh with not putting a whole lot of time towards it it's just it's a quick easy read and i found that it was just very full of really great advice and stories that I think are applicable and helpful to you. Even if you're not trying to like break out in the arts specifically, I think it's just good advice for you, no matter what your career path is. Uh, if you're in a rut with it or kind of struggling with it, it, it kind of has a way of opening up your mind to look at other options outside the box for, kind of getting a break in whatever your chosen career path is, I thought. Uh, so basically, he kind of goes into, he starts with that piece of advice that his mentor gave him. And it's his mentor was his father-in-law. And so he goes to him and, and he was like, hey, I think I'm about ready to quit with this whole acting thing. I'm I just want some stability, you know, we're going to start having kids, we're going to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so what do you think? What should I do next? What do you think I should quit? What do you what are your thoughts? And um and the reply he got was, "Well, you could do that, but I would love to see you really try first. And that just kind of like stopped him in his tracks of like, "What do you mean really try? I've lived in Hollywood for more than 10 years I've been auditioning for thing after thing after thing I'm auditioning for everything I can I'm you know I've I've done theater I've done you know whatever um and then it just kind of stops there and he kind of leaves that thread dangling a little bit he'll come back to it later 
Um, and then he flashes back to like his early life growing up. That's very autobiographical. Talks about his family, talks about his parents, and talks about how the score for the musical Rent was one of like the first albums that he ever bought. I think it was the first album yeah. that he ever bought himself and memorized it, loved it, adored it, uh, kind of learned how to sing by, by working with it. And then he actually got an opportunity to audition for the Broadway show and then got cast on Broadway in Rent only like two or three years after it had opened, I think. Yeah. It was very shortly after. So I think maybe there was one original cast member left over, but most of the original cast had moved on by that point. But it was still very fresh. When he was like 18, yeah. 17 at was, the time. He hadn't graduated high school yeah. yet. Which is crazy. Yeah. I can't even imagine being on Broadway as a professional at 17 years old. I could imagine it like six to eight years old more easily than yeah. I could imagine. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. 17 years old. Um, but yeah, so he did that for several months and then he graduated and he went to like a high class arts high school. Um, so he got a really great arts education there and then went to college, um, studied performance, acting, theater, all that jazz. And then... I think his options were basically either try to make it in New York and Broadway or go out to Hollywood where he had a couple of jobs lined up. And so he ended up going to Hollywood and then he just stayed there for 10, 12 years, something like that. That's where he met his wife. And he had a, he actually had a, quite a few like TV roles and just small type stuff like that. He didn't really have any major movie credits. He really didn't have a breakout that point rent really was the biggest thing he did um and so that kind of takes it up to the point where he's talking to his father-in-law about actually trying um so you can see from his perspective he's like i've been in a professional broadway show i've done tv i've done a small stuff in a couple movies i'm auditioning for stuff like i've got a career i'm a professional actor um crazy that you would tell me i haven't tried um, and basically he clarifies and his father-in-law clarifies and, and basically says, what are you, you work really hard and really well when the phone rings. So when you're given the opportunity, but what are you doing to help your career when the phone is not ringing? Um, and this is something that I think is more applicable to say an actor or an artist um, because there can often be more time I would say between opportunities uh, or between big paydays uh, big gigs so musicians even something like a photographer or something like mm -hmm. that um, any type of artist there's a lot of lag time in there so the the idea is what are you doing proactively in that downtime to actually make opportunities for yourself. Um, so he was like, I teach a commercial acting class for beginners, advanced, all that stuff. I've been inviting you to come for years. You haven't come. Why don't you start there? Like it's one night out of your week. And so he was like, okay, yeah, I should totally do that. It's like, also there's a, there's a million cafes out here and, and different venues that need performers. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you don't sing 
outside of this, but you have, you're a professionally trained vocalist, like you could potentially have a career in music or something like that, but you're not pursuing anything like that. You're not creating very any like one kind track, of, yeah. one track mind. If this doesn't work, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, that probably wouldn't be how he would describe it, but like right. having a very like staunchly ingrained, like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is all that I'm doing. I'm yeah. doing everything I can, but am I really? Yeah. yeah. Very and it's basically yeah. like you could have opportunities to perform in some context every night of the week if you wanted, but you're not going out there and making for money. Yeah. Not even just like to do it. Right. Like not for like money. side of the street yeah. busking. Um, no. So it was just kind of a light bulb moment for him of like, Oh, I could be writing. I could be performing music. I could be taking classes. Like, and so he goes to this beginner, uh, acting class and I don't feel like it was in the written version Several years ago, when I listened to this book for the first time, it was the audio book, and I think there was bonus content in there. And he talked about what was actually being taught in the commercial acting class. And it was something that I really latched onto. And he was the, the instructor was basically talking about how he's like, a lot of you guys don't take commercial acting seriously because you're doing some over-the-top, like, you know, cheesy thing for this company that has millions and millions of dollars, and, you know, it's like you don't think it actually matters. And you think that we're casting based on complete stereotypes and, and preference and connection and all that kind of stuff, and it really doesn't matter what you do. He was like, how much money do you think this company is spending on this commercial. And he basically like broke down the entire marketing campaign and ad campaign for one of the companies that was about to launch something. And it was a significant amount of money um, for the campaign, for the production team, for the actors, all that kind of stuff. And he was like, so with that much money on the line, do you really think that we're not taking this seriously? And do you really think that you shouldn't be taking it seriously either? Mm. <laughs> and it was, yeah. again, just sort of a wake-up moment of like, yeah, this isn't Shakespeare at the Royal Albert Hall, but a lot of money and, and effort and time and care is going into this, this thing. So it, it demands my um, full attention. It demands my effort as well. And that was just a big thing that stood out to me. And so basically he, he starts doing all these other things on the side and very quickly he's able to book, I think a TV show, but then he also, yeah. But then he decides to put that aside to do Hamilton. And then he kind of goes into the production process of Hamilton because that's what everyone wants to read about. But, um, and it is a super interesting portion of the book, but it's less, I think, instructive at that point and more like, Hey, here's, what happened? Um, and it's it's good. It's super fun. That that show and everything that kind of went into the making of it was just so like positive and um, creative and just cool. Um, so yeah, it was a super good book. Um, I think it's especially if you're at a point in your career where you're feeling a little bit stuck. Um, it's a really good like 
uh, shot in the arm, I feel like, to just kind of get you thinking outside of whatever box you're in. Like, okay, how could I be making more opportunities for myself? How could I be um, bolstering my career when I'm not being directly asked for things? Um, what can I be doing outside of the nine to five or outside of the primary gig to um, grow and advance and, and keep moving forward? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think kind of the, the baseline message would be like, if you're willing to put in that level of preparation and that level of, of care towards whatever you're doing, even if you fall flat on your face somewhere, you're putting yourself in more and more positions to catch yourself and, and fall up or move in the right direction, even if it seems like you're not going the -hmm. way you think you should. Yeah. Um, so yeah, super good book. It's just super light. It's super positive and encouraging. The tone and the voice that he writes with is, is, um, all of those things and more, I think. And, he, he writes very simply without being condescending and, and it, it very much is sort of conversational feeling. I That's feel what like. I was going to say. Yeah. And you actually get a point here for on the bro, read this book ometer because <laughs> you convinced me to read this book even before we did the podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm about, <clears throat> about maybe three quarters of the way through. And something that's really stuck out to me is the importance that he puts on the mentors in his life mm-hmm. and the importance that he puts on their opinions and like he, he seeks that out though. Like he's looking for them. Like he's looking for people to pour into his life that he trusts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a really cool thing, even outside of like a mentoring capacity, even just like having friends that you trust to give you advice. Yeah. Um, and to make opportunity for you as well. Mm-hmm. Like he, I think he talks about like Billy Porter is like a friend of his yeah. and he like was doing a show and he was like, you want to come stage manage the show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like having friends who you not only trust, but also are looking out for you um, and taking care of you even when stuff isn't going your way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for me, that's a huge part of what he, his kind of message is, is like, I have these people in my life. I value their opinion. I trust them. I'm going to listen to them and they're going to take care of me and I'm going to take care of them. So it's a very uh, good lesson, I think, to learn for a lot of people. It's just like, oh, I can trust people. I can have people in my life who speak uh, to me in a way that is encouraging. Um, and if you don't have that, letting you know that like that is a big part of what makes people successful is the people that have around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's, it's hard to find those people, mm-hmm. um, but kind of just keeping your eyes peeled. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, who, who has been there with you? Who has been there for you? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in hard times and in good times, like who is celebrated with you for things. And so I think that's something that he really tries to nail home Mm -hmm. in the book and he does a really good job of it. Um, yeah, I think that is something that I would add to that as like, he would not have gotten to that point without the advice and the like encouragement of somebody else. Yeah. So we don't have to do everything alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. So, I like it a lot. I already got the point. So, yeah, uh, we'll we'll just say, bros, read read this, this book. book, reading this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my turn. It's your turn. Sweet. Okay. So, my book, Stephen, is a bit of a slump buster, if you will. 
to, uh, to recall the previous episode. Um, it's a shorter book. Uh, it's by Neil Gaiman. It's called mm-hmm. The Ocean at the End of the Lane. And this book is awesome. And how does your slump feel? Busted. <laughs> yeah, no. Actually, well, I'm kind of still personally in a reading slump. This I read okay. this a while ago. Okay. Um, I just, with planning for vacation and stuff, there's just a yeah. lot going on. Yeah. Um, but I will, my goal is to finish two books that I've been working on okay. while I'm on vacation. So okay. when I come back, you'll hear about them. Yep. Uh, or you won't, because maybe I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no promises. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's awesome, man. Um, there's a, there's a real element in this book of the kind of feeling you get when you look back on your childhood and wonder if things happened or not. Like, huh. it's, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you look back on your life and be like, I know that I remember this happening, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's possible that that happened. Huh. Um, just because when you're a kid, you view the world through a completely different lens. Um, and so essentially this book starts out with, it's this older, like probably middle-aged, like early middle-ages guy. Um, and he goes to a funeral in his hometown. Okay. And he it goes to his, his previous house. Uh, well, his house is not there anymore. But like he goes to the area that he, he lived in. Um, and he comes across this, uh, this family that apparently he knew when he was a kid. Uh, and so the, the book kind of goes through this really interesting progression of things get more and more weird and like nonsensical um, as it goes. Um, essentially like, so there's a, a, like a new babysitter for the house and she is actually like a witch and like, it's, it's crazy. Um, this sounds kind of like the start of, how to sell a haunted house. Kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, childhood trauma. Yeah. And like childhood, uh, experiences coming back in adulthood being very powerful. Um, yeah, no, yeah, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think for, for me, what, what sticks for this book isn't the plot. It's the, the feeling that I had when I read this book. Okay. So I, I, to describe that a little bit, um, I did not really know what was going on for the majority of the time that I was reading the book. But that's because it's a child mm. who's like seeing these things. Of course, he doesn't have explanation for why there's a witch. Of course, he doesn't have explanation for why this pond in the back of his, in the back of this house is actually an ocean. Okay. Um, so it's like you, you have to really go through the book and be like, I know that this is not real, mm-hmm. but I see it happening. I hear it. I'm reading it happening. The character is very convinced that this is happening, but there's no explanation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that for me was a a real sticking point for the book. And that's something that even like months after I've read it, I still kind of carry with me of like, okay, well not everything has an explanation, but also a lot of times children don't have the words or the ability to put, explanation to like reality. So they make up their own. Right. Um, and so essentially that, I don't know if that's 100% what the book is about. Like that, you know, like, I don't know if that's what Neil Gaiman was like, I'm writing this book for that specific reason. Right. But that's how I interpreted it. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting too, because there's stuff that happens between like the, 
the father and the like babysitter. Mm-hmm. And so some, some pretty like bad stuff. Um, uh, and the kid so sees some, it. Some PG 13, PG 13 things that we do not support. Um, and the way drugs, <laughs> not that, um, the way that you read it, though, it's very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. This is happening, but it can't be what it's actually happening. So he makes mm. up this kind of like um, different story for for what's going on. Yeah, um, and just thinking back, like in my own life, on things that I experienced when I was younger, and I look back on now, and I'm and I don't know if they happened. Mm. Like. Um, I don't have like a specific example off the top of my head, but I think we, we take things that we experience when we're younger and we try to explain them mm-hmm. to a way in a way that makes sense to an adult with only the information that a child would have. Right. And so it's that, that's for me what this book is about. Like this kid, what's up? You're gonna so, say so whose perspective is the book written from? It's from his perspective as his, an adult, as a child. Okay. Yeah, yes and yes and. Um, okay. There is part of it where it is in his perspective as an adult. So like the framing narrative is he's an adult. Yes. But then it yes. dips into his yes. childhood memories in yes. more of a first person perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, from what I recall, uh, I, I'm 95% sure that that's the case. Okay. Um, he, he, he goes to this thing and he's like, there's no way that this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think also a, a, a sign of a good book for me is after I read it, do I continue to think about it? And mm. this is a book that I've thought about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like I was saying, so if you go back th- through your, your memories, you really do put a spin on them negatively or positively. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that's about. I don't know why that happens. Mm-hmm. But I would guess it's something, it's easier for your brain to comprehend things if they make sense. Right. Um, so if you, if something happens, um, like here, here's a good example. Actually, I do have an example of this. So when I was younger, I, uh, I touched the engine of a lawnmower, of okay. a riding lawnmower. I had a huge blister on my hand. I yeah. remember this so vividly. I was like less than two. Um, so I, I, I touched this thing and in my memory, the blister is like the size of my head. Right. It wasn't. Sure. <laughs> Would be crazy if it was. But in my memory, it's like gigantic. Yeah. Um, but that's because it was like a traumatic experience for me. Yeah. And you don't... A lot of times you don't realize that something's traumatic while it's happening to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially when you're two years old. Yeah. Because um, you are you are still pretty like elastic at yeah. that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like... It was, it was like... Not a big deal, really. Yeah. Um, I just remember it. The blister was gigantic. Man. Yeah. Um, and so for me, when I was reading this book, I was because just thinking it, about that. Would you say like your, your brain made your eyes see how it felt? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that we, even adults do that too. Right. Like that, that's something that like you, you kind of in a lot of situations you'll, you'll, you'll see what you yeah. well, feel like you should that see. That could work in the inverse too. Yeah. Yeah. Of you can see 
what you've been trained not to feel. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Well, yeah, I think I think too, especially as, like think about a, a child doesn't mm. necessarily have the facilities to rationalize emotion. Yeah. In a lot of scenarios, so like, what do they do? They cry. They scream. They yeah. like throw stuff. Um. So like, I, I think taking your adult life from that perspective as well. Like I now have the facilities to feel these things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's easier to express them mm. or to feel them. Um, so a lot of times I think still even in, in well into adulthood, you make stuff up. Right. Uh, and you kind of just perceive what you want to perceive, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know the psychology behind that. I don't really, and that's not like my thing. Um, but I, I think as like a, a thought experiment, mm-hmm. it's like taking, okay, here's what I remember happening. Let me see if that actually happened. Right. Um, Cause I think you probably store both those memories, like mm-hmm. the one that you make and the one that you actually experienced. Yeah. And so I think those are both probably there. Um, and you kind of just stitch them together. Um, but that's what this book feels like. This book feels like a stitching together of a lot of different memories of, some crazy stuff um, that happened to this kid. So um, then does it, is it moving towards something or does it? It kind of just ends. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's it, he's an adult. Like it's it, sort of like a menagerie of yeah. childhood. There is, yeah. There, well, the, the childhood part does have an ending. Okay. And I will not tell you what it is. It's called graduation. Yes. <laughs> no. But I, I uh, it's, there's, there's a monster and it's a fantasy book, so a word, okay. Um, it yeah, it's very whimsical fantasy mm-hmm. and also kind of dark fantasy at some points. Yeah, told from the perspective of a child, right? But also a child who is only in the mo- remembered in the mind of this adult. Yeah, so it's it's very like there's a lot of layers mm-hmm. and it's a really short book. It's like two hundred something pages. Um, but when you read it, you just you get this overwhelming sense of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. For something that never happened to you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is interesting, because um, and I, I think that a lot of people would think about their childhoods and be able to think about times where this was true for them, right? Like there were monsters and there was an ocean at the end of the lane and there was like your babysitter was a witch, uh, and you know, like you, you, I think a lot of people could look back on their life and remember times where they felt like those things were true mm-hmm. um, just because you were small and you didn't have the power to process that stuff. Yeah. Um, so your mind, you, you made sense of it. You made sense of it in the best way you could. Um, and that's not wrong or yeah. that's not like a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but like in, into adulthood, you do kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's very interesting stuff. Yeah. I'm probably going to read it. That sounds really good. I'll give it to you. You can. I have it right here if you want to borrow it. Yeah, I mean, we are like locked in book exchange at yeah, this point. Yeah, we so. are. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of de facto, really. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's awesome. It's really good. I think nice. I think you'd like it. Yeah. Um, mm, I think you'll really like it, actually. Oh, okay. Just thinking okay. about it. Well. Well, I guess I guess we'll, we'll find, find out. out. <laughs> you got anything else, man? Um. Well. Actually, 
No. Oh, well, I was like, oh, really? You do? <laughs> no. Um, no, I don't. Cool. I don't, actually. Cool. <laughs> oh, you know what we could do? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. I was going to say we could do, like, other media, like, on the... Like, we do solo episodes for, like, other media. I will release an album. <laughs> uh, of book reviews put to song. Oh, sweet, man. Other people's book reviews. That's awesome. Put to other people's songs. That's so cool. Mm. You're so cool. Well, last week we talked about the uh, Appetite for Destruction album. So maybe the move is <laughs> Jeez. to to go oh, on to like again. Goodreads or something like that and pull reviews of books that we've re- reviewed on the show or talked about on the show and then set them to... I'll just do covers of every song on that album. Just you and, and those like an acoustic reviews. guitar? Oh, no, I'll get, like, tracks. Oh, okay, cool. We'll go all out with it. Okay, sweet. It's not going to be, like, acoustic GNR. That'd be crazy. That'd be wild. I couldn't do it. I don't have the the guitar. You sell yourself too short. No, I really don't. Yeah, maybe. Okay, you probably couldn't (laughs) do it. But that's the thought that counts. You just play chords, open chords. Yeah, see, that's that's all I could do, and I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see. I'm I'm probably not gonna do an album while yeah, you're in that, the UK. Probably. I w- you you'd would, be so you're so lost without me, Stephen. That would, you just need something to fill your time you every waking second. Genuinely need to be concerned about me. Oh no, I would like be. at that point. Yeah, for sure. If you came back, the whole like my house is just a mess, and then you come in and you're just like, what happened? How did here? I get in the house? I it's the door's probably oh, unlocked. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's probably oh, open. On, There's probably no door. Yeah. Um, you just walk down and I'm like sitting in the corner, like I've done it. I've done it. It is finished. <laughs> and then you're like, can I hear it first? And as the words are coming out of your mouth, I've hit publish. <laughs> it, it goes <laughs> it into out. the internet yeah, forever. That would like, be sweet. Uh, okay. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. I think that that's a great idea and I'm not being sarcastic at all. And I think <laughs> that you should definitely do that because that's something that I think you should do. It's just becoming a dare at this point. Eh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. That's a podcast. That's a hoot and a half. And maybe an extra quarter. Anyhow. <laughs> you know oh. what? The more I think about it, the more I realize that the most valuable thing we have is our time. And I think that that applies to every person on this planet. Save for some. Steven, I have, to, I have to stop you real quick, actually. Okay. Do you know what this is? This episode is our 10th <gasps> episode. Anniversary episode. Of Brewery This Book. Yay. Yeah. We, it's a milestone, buddy. Yeah. We're, we're in there. We hit it. Yeah. Most podcasts don't make it past, I think, six. Yeah. Hey, we are... Better than most people. We, we are more than most podcasts. <laughs> I'm going to not endorse that comment <laughs> as we are just one of many, we're two only, of many folks. We're only better than the people whose time is not their most valuable mm. resource. Which is nobody. Except for some. Mm. <laughs> In which case, read Failing Up and get your life together. Yeah. Priorities, please. And then understand that the most valuable resource you have is your time. Anyhow, that's a long-winded way of saying thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, there might be a cat coming downstairs. I heard something, Yeah, but I don't see nothing. Mm, a small cat. An invisible cat. 
<laughs> a kitten. Oh my a goodness! A spy kitten. <laughs> they came. They, they found us. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it a lot. Um, all of the all of the things that every influencer, social media person, or podcaster or YouTuber tells you to do to help out their metrics and show and all that jazz, if you could do that for us, it really does make a huge difference. Big difference. Big difference. Um, but I'm not going to bore you with the details of how to do all of those things. So I'm just going to assume you know and then ask the good Lord if you'll do it. Uh, if you, but but to be a little bit more specific, leave a review. If you <laughs> no, I, but like that, but like for real though, that would really be awesome. Yeah, no, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be sweet. And we like reading them. Yeah, it makes good. my heart a flutter. Yeah. It, yes. It, yeah. Unless they're bad. And then I get a flutter when I see it. Yeah. But then when I read it, it's like more like, like dread. Really. Yeah. Existential dread. I don't get it. I don't get that. It's not that heavy. No. Yeah. It's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> we should probably end the episode. I think so, too. Um, anyhow, do all the things. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs>